Uh, eight years later, I graduated with a Master of Divinity. During that time, I was working at Boeing full-time. I was pastoring a church full-time and teaching uh, and going to classes. And it was just, uh, it was a lot of fun, but man, it'll wear on a person real fast with that much. Um, I came back up here. My father was uh, was passing away, so I came back up here, took a job as a safety manager, and I work in Charlotte right now. So uh, anyway, I thank you. Gives you a little bit of background about me rather than wondering who's this guy up front. Um, uh, but I appreciate it. <clears throat> Today my sermon is titled uh, Using Your Blessings or Using Our Blessings. It comes from Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. I'm going to read through this. It's from the Apostle Paul. It says, Blessed be to God, the Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ, just as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise of the, to the, praise of the glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace, which he made to abound towards us in all wisdom and prudence, having made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in himself, that in the dispensation of the fullness of the times he might gather together in one all things in Christ, both which are in heaven and which are on earth in him, in whom we also have been, we have obtained the inheritance, being predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, that we who first who that we who first trusted in Christ should be to the praise of his glory. In him you also trusted after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption by the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. May God honor us with this message this morning. Ephesians was written by Paul in about 62 AD. He was in prison at this time. It was his first imprisonment in Rome. So uh, originally Saul, as you know, was or Paul was originally Saul of Tarsus. Saul of Tarsus was an obedient and faithful uh, Jewish man, faithful to God. He uh, was also a Pharisee, so that'll tell you a little bit about his background and his teaching. He was taught in the Jerusalem. Uh, he was taught in Jerusalem and the Jewish religion. And the Book of Acts tells us how Saul locked up many of the saints in the prison in Jerusalem. Saul was ter- determined to uh, to imprison as many Christians as he could. He felt this was his calling and being a good follower. So, so as over in Acts 9, it talks about it. But in 35 AD, uh, while on his way to Damascus to arrest and imprison believers there, the resurrection of the glorified, uh, the glorified Christ appeared to him with a blinding light. The story of his conversion is in Acts 9. Paul was on his way to Damascus. He was gonna, he had letters, he had papers, and he was gonna, he was gonna condemn more Christians. Not there in, in, in that area, but he was gonna take them back to Jerusalem, put them in prison, 
and then uh, have him executed. That was his his goal in life. This is a man that you wouldn't think would would have written two. Well, what did he write? Thirteen books in the New Testament. Here's a guy that you would say, man, that is the farthest from Christ I would ever want to be. Christians feared him. They just said his name, Saul of Tarsus. They were like, I don't want to be around that person. Here's an individual that never heard the gospel, though. He was born in 5 um, AD. He was born after Christ's death and burial. And so all he ever heard was what was said. Acts chapter 9 tells us about his conversion. It says, Then Saul, being uh, still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord, went to the high priest and asked for letters from him to the synagogues of Damascus, so that if they found any who were of the way, whether men or women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. And as the journey, as he journeyed, he came upon Damascus, came near to Damascus, and suddenly a light shone around him from heaven, and then fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, Who are you, Lord? And the Lord said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. So he trembled and astonished and said to the Lord, and said, Lord, what do you want me to, what? Said to the Lord, you want me, what do you want me to do? And the Lord said to him, arise and go to the city and you will be told what you must do. And the men who were journeyed with him stood speechless, hearing the voice and seeing no one. Then Saul arose from the ground and when his eyes were open, he saw no one, but led, but they led him to the, by the hand and brought him to Damascus. Individual fell silent. He heard the Lord and suddenly he couldn't see. The men who were with him didn't hear anybody either, but it didn't affect them the same way, did it? The men who were with him were not, doesn't tell us that he was saved, but this affected Saul in a personal way. Before he lost his eyesight, that was the one thing that he, he needed for, to be able to tell, you know, here, let me read the papers. And it took away his whole purpose in the Pharisees and what he was doing. So he said, okay, I'll, I'll go with these men because I have no other way. I can't see, so I'll follow them. And they took him in there. And it says that he didn't eat and he fasted the whole time. Just as we saw Jesus do many times. And he fasted and he prayed. Ananias was the one who led him in the way. And shared with him. And entered the house of Ananias and laying hands on him and said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came, has sent me that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately you fell on Immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and he received his sight at once. And he arose and was baptized. Right after that, it says that he immediately went out and started preaching the word. Here's a man that for years had been persecuting people, and now he was preaching God's word. Astonishing. It's something that I never would have figured that he would have done. But here he was, approximately 30 years of age, because... In order for a Pharisee to have such a position, they had to be at least 30 years old and be able to be in there. So we know it was around 35 A.D. The Ephesians, which this letter is addressed to, and some say it was a circular letter, some say it was directly to the Ephesians. They used it both ways because they traveled around in the region of Asia Minor. So the Ephesians addressed to the group of believers. Ephesians, this letter is addressed to a group of believers who are rich beyond measure in Jesus Christ, 
Yet they are living as beggars and only because they are ignorant of their wealth. Ephesus was a commercial center for Asia Minor. Many people came and went from there. What a perfect place for God to, uh, or through Jesus, to have somebody come in there, share the gospel, and those words go out to everywhere else. I think we're living in much the same time. This one, uh, this one was the uh, religious center for Diana, the Temple of Diana, where magic and the local economy were clearly related. Paul stayed there for three years. He really wanted to minister. He wanted to get the word moving out from this area. It was one of his centers of, uh, of, of sharing the gospel and getting it out to everybody else. And so uh, that's where we're going to kind of begin as we look through these words. God wants us to actively, actively use our blessings as we go through our lives. The first part of this is in chapters 3 through 6, it says, it begins out, Blessed be the God the Father, who has blessed us, blessed be God our Father, our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. We have a blessing that's already waiting for us. It's already in heaven. Christ, Christ is there. That is our blessing. He's, he's the one that, Christ, that God gave to each one of us. But not only that, He chose us. He chose us before the foundation. God chose us before the beginning of the word. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created us. He created the heavens and the earth. But he created us as well. And we were all predestined in love. And it says in love. That's a, the, the kind of love that God uses is agape love. It's unconditional. You can't lose that salvation. You can't lose the love that God has for each one of us. That's the kind of love that he shared with us. It's predestined in each and every one of us. But if, in our own, if nobody had shared the gospel with me, I, would I be a follower of Christ now? Probably not. Ephesians three ten through 11 says, There is none righteous, no, not one. There is, there is none who understands. There is none who seeks after God. The lost sinner left to his own ways does not seek God. I can see that. I see that in today's world, do we not? Is today not that kind of world? It seems like the youth today are forgetting the call. This church should be full. Pastor Ron every week brings a sermon that just blesses my heart. I'm here because I heard the word here the first couple of times I came and I started coming more and more. I always go to the fourth pew because it feels right. I feel like I'm close enough that I can hear the word strongly and far enough away that he won't call on me. <laughs> so, Matthew tells us in, um, in Matthew 28, it says, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things I have commanded you. This, uh, this, once I found out I was going to be preaching this week, I'd start praying, Lord, give me examples. I, I like to come up and give personal accounts, personal things that have happened in my life. And uh, I haven't, didn't know it, but this job that I took, I have a summer intern who started the same day as I did. And so we started talking and we started going through things. And one day he said, well, nobody's perfect. I said, well, there was one. He goes, Jesus. And I went, okay, got a, I got an avenue. I knew his, his, a little bit about him. As we've gone through the weeks, I've learned that he's Palestinian. Hates Israel. Hates Israel with a passion because he believes the Gaza Strip is theirs. 
and it belongs to the Palestinians, and they should be a nation. His grandfather came here from Palestine, or from, uh, uh, I guess it was Palestine. Um, but anyway, he, so we shared a little bit of that. It's about a week ago I asked him, and we got back into religion a little bit, and I said, uh, what, where do you go to church? He goes, I'm Eastern Orthodox. I said, well, what is that, what is that like? He goes, I don't know. The pastor speaks in another language, and I don't understand what he's saying. And I said, okay, so what Bible do you use? New King James. He asked me what I was. And I said, well, I'm, I was, uh, I've been a lot of things. Great, raised as Congregationalist, went to Southern Baptist, went to Southern Baptist ministry, you know, seminary. So I've been a lot of things. Uh, I guess I would just call myself a Christian at this point. I said, I use the New King James as well. And he kind of was a taken back, like, use the same Bible as I do? But I know through our conversations, he doesn't understand the words. I remember back to before I was saved, I couldn't tell you, I could read words all day long. And it made me smarter about what the Bible said, but I didn't feel it. I didn't change me, and it didn't change this, this young man. He's 20 years old, just had a birthday, and he doesn't understand what the words say in the book. He's got the same book as I do, but it doesn't understand those things. We need to get the word out. As, as it says in Matthew, we need to get the disciples. We need to share. People are predestined, and yet they're not hearing what everybody, they're not hearing God's word. They're not hearing personally that they may change in them. God's word is foreign to any, uh, to any that do not accept Jesus Christ as their Savior. And once they do, the Holy Spirit dwells in them. That's the difference between all the other religions. I've had one individual, she tell me about Muslim, and I go, yeah, I, I understand that, but there is no Holy Spirit. And I can tell you right where Muhammad's buried, Jesus rose and raised on the third day, and he still reigns with God in heaven. And he still has authority over all things that come here on this earth. Each of us are directed to share the gospel, teach and baptize. It doesn't matter who we are. We are to share the greatest gift that we've ever received from God. We were chosen by God, but redeemed by His Son. In the second section is redeemed by His Son. We now read about the redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the richness of His grace, which is bound towards us in all wisdom and prudence. Redeemed means to purchase, to set free by paying a price. All believers have been brought, let me say that faster. All believers have been bought by the blood of Jesus Christ, who paid the price we couldn't. There were over 60 million slaves at this time in the Roman Empire, and each one of them were traded just like, like furniture in some cases. They would like, okay, here's, I want to trade you this one for this one, I'll give you some money for that one. 60 million in the Roman Empire. That's a lot of people. We t- hear all the stuff about slavery these days and on the news. There were slaves way back in Jesus' time as well. And it's a suffering. But a man could be purchased and then set free. And that's what Jesus did for each one of us. His blood paid the price that we couldn't. His blood paid the price that we couldn't from our sin. Romans 6.22 says, But now, having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God, you have your fruit to holiness and to the end, everlasting life. But believing in Jesus Christ and asking the Holy Spirit in this, we're going to live into eternity. 
I remember as a 10-year-old boy, that first, when I heard the word, my grandparents used to take me to church, West Rome Baptist Church, I still remember it. But I would go to church, and uh, I'd hear the word, and I started thinking, well, what am I going to do forever? Last, You know, as a little kid, forever and ever and ever, that's a long time. And I, I was thinking as a 10-year-old, how, how am I going to play baseball for that long? Baseball, um, I'm going to get tired of baseball, I think. Our sins have been forgiven. Our sins have been carried away. They no longer exist. We are no longer held by the law, but by the grace of God, we have been saved. Sin made us poor, but grace has made us rich. We've obtained an inheritance, it tells us. Obtained an inheritance, being predestined according to to the purpose of Him who works all things according to the counsel of His will. We have obtained an inheritance in Jesus Christ, but the but but we are Christ's inheritance as well. The two are really bound together. Not only is Christ our inheritance, but we're his inheritance as well. He came here specifically to die for us. I don't know if any of you have ever heard the, uh, the movie, uh, the Kendrick Brother movies, Christian movies. Some of you are nodding. Um, the Kendrick Brothers made some of the best Christian movies of our time. Uh, my favorite movie is Facing the Giants. But the one that they produced last in 2019 was called Overcomer. It's actually a true story. I went back and read some of the commentaries on it, and it's actually a true story. About a young woman who's about 14 years old. 14? Maybe 16, because she's in high school. The town factory shuts down, and so they've, they've got time on their hands, and they're like, okay, uh, we're going to have to cut back on some of them, some of the teaching positions, so... The um, the one coach who usually teaches basketball is now going to teach cross country, and he comes across a young lady named Hannah, and Hannah's like, okay, uh, uh, she has asthma, she has some struggles with health, and one time he, he gets to know her, and through the course of the the movie, he asks her at one point, Hannah, who are you? She didn't have an answer. She didn't know who she was, and you see the struggles that she goes through. And another teacher shared with her that maybe you should read Ephesians, read through Ephesians and look at the promises that God is destined for each one of us. That was one of the sections that she did um, in Ephesians. And she goes through and she starts reading the Bible and starts studying it. You find out that her mother died and that she's actually living with her grandmother, but her father is still alive. And she's like, okay, what am I... Uh, I want to see him, but I don't know how that's going to go. She starts reading through, and through the course of reading Scripture and hearing from others, she's saved. She comes to the to uh, understanding of Jesus Christ. And at that point, you see how she excels, and she forgives her father. She found out that he was still alive, and that at, earlier in life that he had abandoned this young girl and her mother. And now she's understands who she is says who are you since she didn't have an answer she went and studied but this was her answer and she came into class and kind of bolded in and she said i know who i am i am created by god he designed me so that i so i am not a mistake his son died for me just so i could be forgiven he picked me up or he picked me to be his own 
so I am chosen. He redeemed me, so I am wanted. He showed me grace just so I could be saved. He has a future for me because he loves me. So I don't wonder anymore, Coach Harrison. I'm a child of God. That touched me when I saw that movie and I heard this young lady saying, I am a child of God. We don't hear that much anymore. When you go to the grocery store, they say, God bless you at the end of the day. You know, they say, well, have a good day. You too. God bless you. I'll get maybe one out of 20 that will say it back to me. Oh, thank you. We've lost that image. We've lost what it feels like to be a, a Christian nation in many cases, I believe. How would you answer, who are you? And for the last couple of years, I've kind of asked that to myself. You see pastors all the time falling away by the wayside. Some of the most pronounced ones are renouncing their Christianity and moving to other things. Well, I'm not going to say there's not a God, but I don't, I don't believe what I believed before. I don't believe the Bible is inherent word of God. And we see Christian pastors just dropping like flies. I went to seminary and some of the people that I went with, um, I was on fire and I'm like, okay, I'm ready to go and I want to preach the word. I'm going to share it. And, I, and some of the people that were ahead of me, I checked on them a year later. I ran across them and found out they were selling homes. They were real estate agents. They were doing other things. Not that they weren't still sharing the gospel, but they were not preaching. People that were very gifted in the word and, and I love to hear in class and whatnot are no longer doing that. They're no longer sharing. Who are you? For two years, I've just kind of drifted and wandered, and this church has really grounded me back to where I need to be. You guys don't know how much you've blessed me by sitting, me sitting in the fourth row, by people saying hi. George, you say hi all the time. I hate to see you go to Arizona all, every time, man. I, I may stop that this year, I'm just saying. But it's really grounded me, because I wasn't sharing the word the way I know God taught me to be, sharing the word. I know that I can share Christ in any situation. I used to be the chairman of the deacons of the mega church in San Antonio with over 2,500 members. I had 75 deacons under me. But that doesn't do me a thing. That's not who I am. So when I saw that movie, and since then, I've started asking, who am I? I'm a follower of Christ. I I get holy chills every time I say it. Who am I? I'm a follower of Christ. Christ did destined me for this position. He called me to his own. I feel changed and I'm different than I ever was before. And people to this day will still say, what makes you different? I never see you get mad. I never see you say bad words. I never see you do those things. Be mean. Somebody mean to you, you don't go, ah, you, and be mean back. I said, well, I've got somebody else inside of me that leads me. Somebody who changes me each and every way. The Holy Spirit is who I'm following. And he, he tells me when I'm wrong and I have to ask for forgiveness. We need to see that more and more. I ask you today, who are you? What would be your answer if somebody asked you that? Hannah had to sit there and study. And until she accepted Jesus Christ, she didn't know. Finally, we were sealed by the Holy Spirit. I'm going to read the last couple of sections. In Him, you you also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, having believed, 
you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchase, until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. So when I look through this, this, seg- this section right here is really uh, the entire salvation process in one, a few sentences. He hears the gospel of salvation. Christ died for our sins, was buried and rose again. Tells us that in 1 Corinthians 15. The gospel came to the Jew first, but Paul brought it to the Gentiles. The Ephesians, you see, were Gentiles, and that's where, Jesus, that's where Paul started introducing to the Gentiles that you could have that same glory, you could have that same saving grace as the, the Jewish people had that Jesus brought to them. So first they heard, then you must believe that Jesus Christ died for your sins. Having heard the word, they believed, and it is this faith that brought salvation. Many people don't believe Jesus died for their salvation. I had one individual say, I'm going to be here on this earth, and this was like two weeks ago. I'm going to be on this earth until either Jesus comes or the Martian, you know, aliens take me. And they were serious as a heart attack. I'm like, what are you talking about, aliens? If there's aliens, God already knows about it. He's in charge of them. I don't need to worry about them. I've never seen an alien, but for some reason they think they are out there. Don't want to see any, but I also know that God's in control. If he put them there, he put them there. I'm not going to sit there and worry, but people don't believe that Jesus was the ultimate one who died for our sins. He doesn't, they don't believe that through this faith that they have salvation to the end. When I accepted Christ, I fell on my knees. I mean, I was just a ball and mess, and I never cry. Um, it's not the way I was raised. We had a rough life growing up, our kids, my siblings, there's five of us, and I'm the eldest. It was difficult times. When the Ephesians believed, they were sealed with the Spirit. You receive the Spirit immediately after trusting Christ. The sealing shows a finished action, an ownership. Once the Holy Spirit indwells in you, there's a sealing action with Jesus Christ, our salvation, to the end. He's not going to slip you. Then he's not going to let you slip through his father's hands. He tells us, I go, go to prepare a room for you. And where I go, so shall you be. God's, Jesus is waiting for us. I've had some friends on internet. Maybe you've seen them. Some of the friends are now believing that we're in our end times. He, they believe we're in the, in the last book of Revelation and that this COVID is just some of the bowls. And each COVID iteration is the next one coming. And I see more and more end times things putting in there. And I don't know if it is or not. I know that these are uncharted territories. The things that are happening now never happened in my last 60 years. Yeah, I'm 60. I'll admit it. Had a birthday a little while ago. None of these things are things that I've ever seen in my 60 years. And it's changed so much. Technology, we were talking beforehand, technology has changed. People can talk across the seas. We can travel across all around the world in so much time. <clears throat> we have people, that billionaires, that are flying into outer space, trying to take others with them up there into outer space. These are uncharted times. But I know one thing, that I am sealed by the Spirit, and nothing I can do is going to change that. I was predestined by God. He didn't choose me by mistake. I wasn't an error. I wasn't somebody that wasn't supposed to be. I thank my mother and my grandmother because they both took me to church 
and made me listen to it over in Manitou Beach and over in the church that my grandmother went to. Used to love going to grandma and, and going there and, and she would take me um, to church on Sunday. I didn't mind because I got to spend time with my grandparents. They had a big farm that we just went out and played in the barn or in the yard or out in the field. It didn't matter. Stuff that we didn't have. I grew up on Devil's Lake, so right across the lake from there. They were the ones that planted that foundation when I was little and chose who I was. I used to train believers how to answer phones for the Billy Graham television ministry. Anybody heard of Billy Graham before? Just checking. Billy Graham Telephone Ministry in San Antonio has some of the regional uh, telephone centers that answer for it. And so I would answer phones for that all the time. I taught others how to answer those phones. The Billy Graham Crusades are still online, and they were still on TBN, I think it was. I think it was TBN. Until they changed the rates and they couldn't afford the, the new funding lines that they wanted which was like in 2017. So I don't know if they're still out there or not. I haven't seen one in a while. But they would show those, and then we'd have answer centers from here to North Carolina, answer phones for people, and answer how to, um, and that we would pray for them. Some were there in pain. Some were accepting Christ. Um, it's a great experience that I enjoyed very much. I was part of a team that did the follow-up um, the follow-ups that on the television, the television ministry show after it was over. I remember one t- time a woman made a big impact. I- I've answered the phones hundreds of times, and <clears throat> there was one individual. After we prayed, she started. She was so joyful, so giddy, so happy. And I'm like, what? I want to know why are you so happy? She said, just to know the Holy Spirit came upon me, and I can feel it today. I said, where are you right now? She was in a nursing home and she had had a, a couple of heart attacks so her, cardi- her heart wasn't pumping well. She said, I've just come out of surgery and part of my, my stomach is no longer, it's open still because I've had surgery and I've had illness and I've had problems. And here's a woman that I thought, of all the people, I w- how can you be so happy? And she goes, one day... I know that I'm going to ride on a cloud with Jesus. And that's all I want to do at this point. She said, you've given me a hope. You've put the Holy Spirit inside me. And I'm telling you, I've got joy coming out of my pores. I don't remember all the calls that I've had. But that one has still stuck with me all these years. Like Paul, we're... To, we're who was writing this letter, he was sitting in prison. He had no reason to be thinking about others. He was probably, he should have been thinking about himself. Well, am I going to get out of here? Are they going to kill me? What am I going to do? But instead, he had more thoughts for others. He could have just sat there and decided not to talk to anyone and fall in depression, but he didn't. During one of my trading sessions, I had a, an individual that's, who was in his 70s, early 70s, and he teaches online classes, uh, business classes. And uh, we had an interesting discussion because he was going, I come in contact with so many people throughout my day, but they're in different places around the, around the country. But I get to talk to him because at that time they had two-way conversation. He said, 
How do I lead them? How do I bring somebody to the understanding of Christ? He said, I'm, I'm afraid that if I overstep my bounds, that they're going to report me and I'm going to get fired. That's ultimately right. The fear. There's always a fear factor when we share Christ. He was afraid that he was going to go. I said, you wait for the opportune time. when they, some, God's going to prompt their heart to ask you something. Just like the gentleman that is working with me. We mentioned Christ, and he, oh yeah. And we get into the Bible, and we get a little deeper. That's the same thing I told this individual. Any conversation, pretty much I can change it to talk about God. I have no problem with that. This is a lesson that I hope each one of you kind of think about. He thanked me later for saying, because he told me that he had started applying some of the techniques and some of the changes and some of the things that I have taught him, he starts using to classes. He now, when I last talked with him, he's now sharing the gospel with people in different parts of the country and in the world that are in his classes. Each of us needs to be willing and able to tell others about Jesus and what he has done for us. God wants us to actively use our blessings. Here are some of the truths from today. True riches come from God. I told this to my brother, um, and I've told this to others. You know, they think, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do scratch-offs. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to win some money on the scratch-off. I said, God doesn't, God's riches don't come from there. God's riches come from that Bible. And anything good that comes, does come your way is from God. Don't sit there and play games or lottery or anything else. Just realize this. The true riches come from God and His destiny for us. All of these riches come from God's grace and for God's glory. What is amazing and the thing that I think about is I'm going to be praying with you and spending time with each one of you in heaven someday. I tell that to my Christian friends. I said, ones that I left back in San Antonio, I said, you know, I wish I was there. I said, well, we'll see each other again. There's going to come a time when we're going to be together in that heavenly place. These riches are only the beginning is also. God's got many, many more things planned for each one of us. If someone asks you who you are, have an answer ready. One thing I want you to take away from today is this. I want you to share Christ with someone this week. You come in contact with many people who are lost each and every day. Mention Christ in your conversation and let the Holy Spirit do the rest. Look for those opportunities when you go in there. I always challenge whenever I'm preaching, I usually challenge people, this week do something. You don't have to share the gospel. I just want to share Jesus. Just the name of Jesus. Put it in the conversation. Could be the bagger at the grocery store. Could be your grandkids. Could be something you don't even know. Share each one of these moments with them. All you have to do is mention Jesus and let the Holy Spirit do the rest because the Holy Spirit's already ahead of us working those things. Recent survey stated that 82% of people would go to church if they were invited. That's a recent survey I heard on the radio just the other day. My job is an hour and 10 minutes away. People said, man, you, that's, a, that's a long time. You're not going to like that. You're going to hate that drive. You know what? I get church every day because they have Smile FM up there. Anybody heard of it? I listen to Smile FM for about 40 minutes every day. Praising the Lord, singing, hear God's word, hear God's, God's word through song, ministry as we have here. I love it. 
I didn't get that when I was here. I worked in Chelsea before this. I didn't get people to, I didn't get a Christian station that, that I like to listen to the music that is coming out of it. 82%. If each one of us shared with one person, these pews would be full each and every day. Children as well, share with your friends. I know some young people that are stronger Christians than some of the older ones because it's really fresh to them. I want to tell you, I was in Arkansas when I was working on the missile crew. There was a couple that lived upstairs. They had a little dog that didn't always go to the restroom when they needed it to. So she would come. I was on missiles, so I would work nine days out of the month, and I'd have a couple other days there. So I was home a lot during the day, and I hear a door knock. And she said, will you come out and pet my dog? It it gets nervous when somebody else pets it and it goes potty, but at least that way it won't go potty in the house. <laughs> Sorry, Kim. I know you're probably going to listen to this, but... Um, so we got to become friends um, with them upstairs, and they one day they invited me. Kim and Terry Nowatsky. I'm here today because they invited me and because I had responded to their invitation. I went to a small church in North Little Rock, Arkansas. And I started going with them. And I am today what I am because I listened and, and responded to an invitation by somebody just who I knew just because I pet their dog to have them go potty. <laughs> and certainly, I'm sure there are other people here that have funnier stories than that. But that's what um, that prompted me to start. And I gave my life to Christ to that pastor. To Jesus, I should say, through that pastor. He was a fiery pulpit pounder. His face got as red as a cherry. But you know what? One day when he was pounding that pulpit and he was talking, he was talking to me. At that church, I sat on the other side. I was on the fourth pew on that side. Terry and Kim Nowatsky are the ones... And I, call, I texted her last night, and she said I almost made her cry. We're still friends to this day, those people that led me to Christ. They were there when I was baptized. They were there when I gave myself, my, my soul to the Lord and accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Each one of us has that same ability. I want each of you just kind of think about it. You don't have to tell me you did it or not, but just kind of think about somebody as you go through the week. I'm praying that God pricks somebody in your life that you have the ability to change forevermore. And then someday in heaven, you'll know that person. And they'll thank you for it. Let's go ahead and pray this morning. Let's bow our heads. Before I pray, I want to ask, if there are any in here who are ready to believe Jesus, anybody who's ready to give their life to the Lord, through our invitation time, I want to, you to just raise your hand right now. If there's something, some way that I can pray for you, share the gospel anymore, let me know. If you need prayer this morning, something's wrong in your life, something that you need prayer for, Raise your hand and let me know on that as well. Thank you, amen. Any others?
Dear Heavenly Father, I pray for the lost this morning. Dear Lord, they are burning on my heart. As I go about my day, I always think about who's saved and who's not and where do I need to share the gospel. You putting me in the pulpit right now has opened not only my eyes, but also my heart. I pray for the lost that just like Paul, they hear the word and the scales fall. And if they come and accept you, Lord Jesus, let's increase the size of heaven with saints. Dear Heavenly Father, we've had one this morning that has asked for prayer. And dear Lord, whatever that need is, you know it. We lift that up this morning that you'll see it through. Dear Lord, just touch that family. Touch that individual. This morning, we just want to thank you. I thank you for this message, dear Lord. It's touched me more than it's touched you. It touched the others. It always does that first. It touched the pastor first. And then I bring it to you, to the others. Dear Lord, we thank you for today. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.